<laughs> are your speakers on? Nope. <laughs> they are now. <laughs> Hello, everybody. If you're in here, I don't know. I can't see. Nobody's in here. I thought Andy was in there. He was lot or he was early. He was live. <laughs> in where? And there he is. What's up, Andy? Okay, just give me the freaking chat. That's all I want. Hello, everybody. Oh, wow. If you're in here, I don't know, I can't see. Talking to myself. Oh, There's a whole lag. <laughs> D-Live does not want to work today. Hi, Nicole. It's being a butt. Hi, Nicole. <coughs> All right. Okay. I... Let's see what's going on. Hello, Nicole. Hello, Andy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, what? Andy says, tell the perfect thing for you to take to work today, Eddie. We'll send it off Messenger. Oh, no. Why are you doing that, Andy? <laughs> I shouldn't ask. <laughs> nope, you're live. I'm live. I'm alive. Hi, Heather. Hey, Heather. I don't see Heather yet. She's in there. Oh, I well, I I get that, <laughs> but I'm just I'm trying. D Live is being an asshole to me. It's not letting me grab chat. Oh no, you can't. The link's too big, and you can't you can't put it in the uh, messenger. Nicole, Andy tortured you today. What the hell did he do? Come on. No. All right. I can't pull up DLive chat. So hopefully Restream don't screw up. It's not letting me do it. It's being very, very mean to me. Hello, everybody. What's going on? What's up, Whisper? Hello, Ryan. What is up? I turned the speakers on. <laughs> You're the best. Aw, see how he is? I know. How rude, Andy. <laughs> Who's Gillian? Oh, there's Hello. Gillian all the way down there. Hi, Gillian. Hey, Gillian. Somehow her name flew right on by and I didn't even see it. Hello, Louisa. And Louisa, too. If I said that right, I'm sorry if I didn't. I like to butcher names on here, even my own. <laughs> How is everybody? It's a notification, right? <laughs> You're the best around. You all are. How you doing today? What is going on? I hope to God that DLive chat don't stop working because I can't pull it up. It keeps freezing on me. 
course, you know. I don't know if it's D-Live or my Google, but you know. Hey, Patrick. What's up, Patrick? How you doing, hon? Andy, that's, that's funny. <laughs> I don't even want to know. I am scared. When Andy sends messages to Eddie, especially because he never gets on Messenger, that's kind of scary. <laughs> How is everybody? Happy Monday. I don't know if it's happy, but you know. Yay, thank you so much. That's not popping up, so I don't know who sent it. I don't either. Oh no, what's going on there? Well, thank you for the ice cream. Yep, yeah, whoever sent it. Sorry, for some reason, I don't know what's going on. D-Live's messing up bad today. But thank you for the ice cream. Love you guys. Oh, thank you, Heather. Thank you. Oh, is Heather that sent it? Yeah. Thank you, Heather. Yes. If you send something, please tell us who it is because it's not popping up. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for the... Oh, there it goes. Nicole sent an ice cream. I think everything's starting to come to live tonight. Right now. It's all right, Gillian. I don't, I don't have to do live. <laughs> Thank you so much for the lemon. The lemon. I didn't see who did the lemons. <laughs> but thank you for the lemons. Patrick sent an ice cream as well. Thank you so much, Patrick. Wow. You guys are awesome. You're going to get fat before the end of the show. I know, right? <laughs> thank you guys so much. I appreciate each and every one of you. How are you guys doing today? What is going on? Anything new? Yeah, Nicole likes to live for the pictures. Hello, Patrick. Over there with the Mickey Mouse. Yep, and there's a little Mickey Mouse. Hey, Jim. Hey, Jim. Happy Monday. How are you this morning? Wildest. Well, yeah, you're on our coast. It's kind of morning. Everybody else, 2 p.m. In the morns. Gotta love the Lamones. Not too bad. All right. That's good. I like hearing that. We're doing all right. Well, I'm doing all right. See, I said the we, and, and he's probably not doing all right. I don't know. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Well, that's good. <laughs> Nicole's got her coffee. That's right. She's got the coffee. She's going you know, to dip her moon cookies in it. That's right. That's right. Almost 60 degrees today. Isn't that lovely, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect, Andy. <laughs> Apparently inside joke. It's a good Monday. Andy Sullivan from World Bigfoot Radio. 
listed my channel and shows to watch, so I am basically a part of Duke's Dirty Dozen. That's awesome, Ryan. I did see that. I don't know where I saw it. I think on Facebook, but I'm not sure. I did see that, so congratulations. That's Nicole's awesome. D-Live's title saying it's Freaky News Friday. You know what? They all probably say that because I totally forgot to change them. <laughs> that is my fault. Well, I can't take myself out of the stream now, but... Yep, that's probably, yeah, they all probably say Freaky Friday. <laughs> it is not Freaky Friday, though. It is Monday Musings. What's up, aliens? Hey, aliens, how you doing? Andy's been sending you nasty things all day. I'm, I'm pretty sure he has, Nicole. <laughs> that was funny today, though, with the topics. I was like, Jesus, only Andy, I swear. Oh. Right, Jim, I can understand that. You want to tell him a funny story? Tell him about me waking up fucking 5 o'clock last night thinking it was in the fucking morning. Yeah. So at night, you know, when I'm I'm going to plan on working, I, I wake up, and you know, after my nap. And I, I get up, I make coffee, and then I go down for a cigarette and come back up, you know. Hey, Sarah, how you doing? Hi, Sarah. And um, so I get up, I make coffee and everything, and all of a sudden I hear Eddie get up, because he laid down, obviously. And uh, I hear him getting dressed. I'm like, okay, he wants a cigarette, whatnot. So we go down and have a cigarette. What's up, Scott? Hey, Scott. And it's like we're sitting there having a normal conversation you know and he's like okay i'm ready for your live and i didn't think anything of it i'm like well you're a couple hours early since it's five o'clock at night i didn't say that but that's what i was thinking you know so i didn't say anything and then he gets on the computer we come up here and he gets on the computer and everything he's like it's about seven now and he's like i didn't know it was at night i thought it was in the morning i did <laughs> And he got some coffee and everything. He's like, did you make enough for me? And I'm like, sure. You know, and you... <laughs> <laughs> All this time, we're having this conversation where times are coming up. And he thinks it's morning. I'm thinking he's just being sarcastic because that's, you know, what he does. <laughs> <laughs> Scott. Where the fuck are I? How where the fuck are you? <laughs> But, yeah, so all this time, I'm just thinking he's, like I said, making sarcastic little things about the time. And here it is. He really thought that it was morning. Yep. Like, he really, when he sat there and said, I'm ready for your show, I'm like, what the, well. But I said, no, we can start your show a little early. Yeah, and I'm just like, yeah, we can. <laughs> a lot early. <laughs> like, 12 hours early. <laughs> it was crazy. It was crazy. Fun, though. Good to hear, Scott. <laughs> Thank you for the moans. It's not popping up again. Yeah, I know. Oh, there it is. Patrick. Thank Patrick. you, Patrick. Thank you for the moans. Yeah, okay, Andy. Andy says, Eddie's sarcastic. <laughs> you know another Eddie, Missy? Well, I do, but this one's Halo's too bright for sarcasm. Yeah, I, I don't even have a good comeback for that because it's just like, yeah. The truth, the truth is thunder. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. 
Oh my god, I'm sweating my ass off. Holy crap. So today's show, we got a good show. We're going to be talking about... I found this blog and she's really good. And it's it's funny because I'm like scouring through it because of the fact that... um. She's like on the same wavelength as me of how I think about things and everything. So we're going to talk a lot of, it's called Living Life in Full Spectrum. She's amazing. She's on Twitter, all that stuff. That's where I found her blog at. And um, yeah, the links will be down in the description, but check her out. She's really cool. I believe her name's Sarah as well. Um but so today on today's show, we're going to be talking about super spectrum and the paranormal. And then we're going to talk about Minji Castle, Oko's Well, and Victor Noor, the fertility symbol tomb. Sir, it just burnt Scott badly. Oh, really? Scott says, I'm still bald, brainy, and handsome, sir. It says, Scott, is your mirror broken? Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're going to be asking, do spirits communicate with us during dreams? And then we're going to talk about what's the story behind the most a most famous haunted location in the world. Oh, my God, Andy. And then we're talking about what is the Dybbuk box and why are people scared of it? And last but not least, Tulpas, Poltergeist, and Thought Forums. As always, if you're listening on the podcast portion of this, thank you so much for listening and so the support you've given to us. It's greatly appreciated. I'm looking at the camera like the podcast people can see me. Um, But as always, we invite you to come over to the YouTube, to the live show, and jump in the conversation with us. And don't forget, as I roll the credits at the end of the show, get on over to DLive, hype up that chat, and we'll hand out some lemons. And since I'll be doing a double spot today of lemons because of the fact that we got cut short on Friday. Yeah, well, we were having a good conversation. Yes, I know. We were having such a great conversation, and boom, Wi-Fi all over town. All of a sudden, everybody's posting on the village bulletin board. Hey, is the the Wi-Fi out there? Is the Wi-Fi? So I don't know what happened. Nobody, they found the problem, though, obviously. So, yeah. You can crawl if you want, Nicole, if you don't feel like jumping. That's okay. Yeah, it took a, about an hour and a half, two hours, other before uh, we got Wi-Fi back. Yeah. No, I don't have any prunes, Scott. Sorry. I, I would have made a really, really dirty comment to that, but I'm I would sure. leave that one alone. <laughs> I'm sure you would have. I'm sure you would have. Lord. <laughs> But yeah, it wasn't too bad. It was bad enough. It sucked, but thank God for cable. <laughs> That's one thing I, I don't think I'll ever get rid of cable. Just in case that happens, I can't watch TV. Oh my God. Oh, no problem, Lisa. No problem. Absolutely. You made it in. Yes. We appreciate it. Uh oh, there's that Steve. Yep. Hurry back, Heather. That Canadian. How you doing, Steve? Guy. Oh, don't worry, Scott. I'll I'll, I'll save that one. <laughs> <laughs> That'll have to be one of my shows. <laughs> we all know what happens over there. It's scary. <laughs> 
pretty much separates the virgins from the non-virgins. <laughs> Something. Something. <laughs> so, yes, if you are just coming in, I know that the thing probably says Freaky News Friday. It is not. It's actually Monday. And it's Monday Musings, which is all about paranormal talk. I will say this whole Spectrum deal, though, I will um, talk about definitely has to do... It's got a mix of paranormal, cryptid, and UFOs. So, but we'll be talking about that. See what's up with everything. The Super Spectrum. So, if you don't know who John Keel is, John Keel is the one that wrote about the... Um, Mothman Prophecies. And he brought some interesting thoughts into the spectrum of <coughs> talking about the super spectrum. <laughs> Just for a bit, gathering some info for the next show. We'll be talking a bit more about Alaska. It seems like a lot of stuff happens up here in Alaska. Not in Valdez. <laughs> that's cool Ryan that's cool I look forward to hearing it yeah there's a, a a lot of different cryptids up here um a lot of lore there because of the there's a lot of what it is is there's a lot of um uh, what the fart what the fart exactly I know no um there's a lot of different um tribes up here natives so and each one has their own little thing. So it's like, I know when my coworker and friend called me about something like <laughs> to find out what something was, it was crazy to go through all the different spirits and lore that they believe in, even just to find this one thing that was going on in her household. And like, she was letting me know different you know, this is what my mom said, this is what my grandma said, you know, and stuff like that. So it's it's pretty wild. You look after one thing and it's like a lot of lore around it. It's crazy. Cool as hell, though, to know what their traditions are and, and what they believe in and that. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which is weird. <laughs> Seems to me the only cryptid that hasn't been seen in Alaska is the Dogman. Makes me wonder why. Which is weird because, Ryan, I think I brought this up to you before or it was either you or Matt that I was talking to about. I was going to ask you about the Dogman because of the fact that um, I forgot who it was that thought the Dogman, um, there was a map of Indian burial grounds and the Dogman sightings were all around there and that which is weird because i know there's indian burial sites up here i'm sure of why the dog man wouldn't be up here <laughs> i feel left out not that i want to spot the dog man i mean it'd be, It'd cool. be cool to spot him yeah to spot him long as, long as you don't spot, spot you yeah yeah as long as you don't spot me <laughs> but yeah that is crazy. Again, like we said before, me and Ryan could probably sit down and talk for like hours on end. <laughs> so getting back into the super spectrum and the paranormal, 
Yeah, that's who it was. Yeah. Linda Godfrey, that's right. I couldn't remember her name. But, um, yeah. I don't know. It's crazy. So most paranormal investigators will tell you that they believe in a spirit can either, either give off EMF or can some way manipulate the electrono electromagnetic field. It's Monday. Um, so it's why a lot of investigators use the EMF meters. We have two around here somewhere. Um, yeah, well, the K2 meters and the Mel meter I don't have, which I want. I got that one. Should Yep. <laughs> there you go. The other one's out in the living room, I think. It is. It's um, sitting by the chair. So she said, more than once I've had a person ask me, how do we know that if a K2 meter or Mel meter is detecting something, that it's spirit and not some sort of interdimensional being? What if the UFO that we could not see gave off EMF? And why do people detect EMF in remote bushland where people believe there are elemental creatures or even things like Yetis or Bigfoot? So let's look at the connection and discuss the concepts of superspectrum entities, otherwise known as ultra-terrestrials. I think every paranormal person has a K2 in their possession. It's like probably the first piece of equipment because it's the cheapest. Right, yeah. I agree. So if you Google the search um, of this word, it will confuse you. As... Hold on one second. It is, my computer is lagging big time. So a Google search of this word will confuse you as the uh, with references of mobile phone photograph technology that allows you to photograph in low light without a flash. While this is great technology, especially for those who spend time a lot of time taking photos in low light, I'm referring to something a little different. Journalist John Keel is the most famous for his research about the book, The Mothman Prophecies. And around the same time he released his book, he also released the book, The Eighth Tower on ultra-terrestrials and the super-spectrum. It's also something he covers in his book, The Cosmic Question. He talks about paranormal phenomena tying together as sort of a unified theory, whether it has something like Mothman or interdimensional beings or even spirit. He believes that they are able to navigate up and down the electromagnetic spectrum and can appear, can appear or disappear on their own will and that's kind of why how i look at everything it's all on a scale with the nubs hey nubs speaking of nubs mulan if you are in chat i'd like to talk to you after the show today if that's okay with you oh. i don't know if she's here or not oh no <laughs> nothing bad shut up <laughs> <laughs> If you could relay that message to her, too, Nubs, that would be great if she's not here. I hope you're doing well. So, at this moment, you are surrounded by all kinds of energy. Much is man-made, vibrating on every frequency, from the ultra-high frequencies of modern military radios to very low frequencies of generators and telephone lines. Welcome back, Heather. Welcome back, Heather. Um... There are many other forms of energy mixed in as well. And there are, as we shall say, we shall say, 
As we shall see, forms of energy on high frequencies can they cannot detect with even the most sophisticated scientific instruments. Wow, my computer is really lagging. It is not liking restream today. I'm not having no problems with restream. Well, you're not, you don't have a million things pulled up either. That's not my problem. If your eyes were tuned beyond the very narrow confines of the spectrum of visible light, one would find yourself looking at a thick fog of dazzling, unreal colors. Some psychics and UFO percipients have been able to describe these occult colors, and they have been able, always been used to symbolizing their supernatural ability or entities. If you could peer into the spectrum, you would undoubtedly see some frightening things. Strange shapes, eerie ghost-like forms. Oh, what the fuck? Right? Moving through a sea of electrical energy like fish in some alien sea. That's what John Keel said. The cosmic question about all this is, does the above offer an explanation as to how psychics can visually what they interpret to be spirits or even aliens or ultra terrestrials is that how some people see colored auras and they somehow get getting a glimpse inside the super spectrum take care louisa thank you for coming in hon absolutely thank you so much keel even states that he believes our brains are made up of, of a circuit and that plugging into the electromagnetic field in some sort of way so it's plugging in somehow, but not just the full spectrum. Um, he says that super psychic could then potentially tap into that certain frequency of a person a thousand years from now and read their subconscious. Is this how some information comes through? John Keel said the super spectrum is a source of all paranormal manifestations from extrasensory perception, ESP, to flying saucers, little green men, and tall hairy monsters. It's hard to pin down scientifically because it's extra-dimensional, meaning that it exists outside of our own space-time continuum, yet influences everything in our reality. <laughs> Scroll? <laughs> the H Tower kills backs up his theory with years of case studies. However, like anything, there is no proof that there is a case, and quite a lot of people will already have raised eyebrows reading this. It's certain something to at least consider when looking at the different sources of paranormal phenomena. We also can't ignore the paranormal field's fascination with EMF, which is true. I mean, what do you guys think? Do you think, see, that's how I look at the world. That's why when I, I found this blog, I was excited because I'm like, somebody gets it. Somebody gets, that's why I say everything's around us at all times. It's whether we see it or not, or feel it or not, or you know what I mean, hear it or not. It's always there. And this is kind of putting in perspective of how I view the world. I just don't know how to put it in words. And she does an excellent job of doing this. Um, the electromagnetic field and the paranormal, we don't really know for sure what the connection, where the connection of EMF and paranormal came from. There is no definitive source. It seems to be one of those theories that a lot of people accept as explanation of 
paranormal phenomenon. Welcome, Gillian. I, I know I'm very honored that you're here. Usually in, it's not smut talking like in Eddie's show. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Something around me last night that was as unwelcome as you can get. Really, Andy? Well, that's not good. A lot of people uh, don't like using certain EMF detectors because the chance of a false reading is far too high. Keel even said that above there, above that, there is an energy out there that even the most sophisticated scientific devices can't measure. So why would a simple K2 device be capable capable of measuring it? Whether or not you use a device like a K2 meter, we can't ignore that there are some claims to have been consistent with EMF interference in paranormal phenomenon. People report cars stalling and radio stations changing in cars when the present in the presence of a UFO. And in cases of potential hauntings, people have reported lights switching on and off or flickering around the same time other phenomenon seems to be present. Clocks stop at certain times or needles on compasses go around in circles. It does seem that there's some sort of disturbance within the electromagnetic field when activity is reported. But does this mean the presence of EMF indicates it's coming from within the super spectrum? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry to hear about that, guys. I hate that you guys had a bad night. That's not cool at all. No. Again, then we have to look at, are we making it happen? Kind of like... Self-manifestating it. Right. Kind of, or even, kind of, even, like, when you get frustrated how I shut down electronics. True. You know, I mean, our emotions, we, you know, sometimes you can't control them, and... I mean, that's my warning sign. When things start to go wonky, it's like, all right, calm down. Above Keel states that the, an ultra-terrestrial can show itself whenever it wants to and wherever it wants. Kind of like a Bigfoot. If Bigfoot, you know, is spotted, although it seems like they're not, <laughs> it seems like they're not um, disappearing as quickly as they used to. I could be wrong, but it just seems some of the claims seem like they're not it, disappearing like they used to like you would see it and then all of a sudden it would be gone it's not happening like that anymore so i don't know if we're like changing the field around it or what um some ufos were directly related to the human consciousness just as ghostly apparitions are often the product of a percipient's mind there are deeply rooted psychic and psychological factors in the ufo UFO phenomenon and sudden appearance of lights in the sky trigger and release the human energy that stimulated seemingly supernatural events. I've spoken many times about the concept that we are responsible for physical phenomenon, something which Keel indicates as well. In the Mothman prophecies, Keel spoke about how residents of Point Pleasant were all experiencing similar phenomenon, such as sightings of the Mothman 
poltergeist activities, TVs burning out, and phone calls with no one on the other end. It is implied that this phenomenon was caused physically from people themselves um, to cause this poltergeist activity, for example. If we paranormal investigators are, are exposing ourselves to these kinds of situations, does this mean perhaps that we unknowingly unlock psycho, psycho, I don't know that word, abilities within our psych, basically psychic abilities within our, ourselves and we are causing things to happen? If we go on an investigation to record an EVP thinking in our minds that we want something to say hello, are we unwillingly making this happen unaware that we have this ability? Now there is a thing, I forgot what it's called, but where we do, it's human. All right, bro, I love you too. Be safe. No problem, Scott. Take care. Be safe. Andy got psycho abilities. Yeah, right? I think we all have a little bit of psycho abilities. <laughs> um, but there is a thing where, like my son used to do this, Mr. Minster used to do this, where, which was weird because his father did it when he was a kid, and Ryan had the same mannerism where he'd be like, Oh, look, a plane. Oh, look, a plane. Like that second one would be a whisper. Mm -hmm. And like he didn't realize they were he was doing it. And it's so weird because talking to, obviously, my ex-husband's sisters, um, my ex-husband did it when he was a kid. Um, which was, which is funny as hell because Ryan wasn't around uh, my ex's mannerisms in the beginning of his life. So it was like, it's very weird. But there is a thing where we sit there and we say something and we whisper it to ourselves and we don't realize we do it. And I forgot what it's called. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> it is thought that we see the world in the way that we have been educated to see it. So basically, it's how it's been beat into you. Right. We all see things quite differently based on how we've been trained to view the world. Even something like religion has a huge impact on the way we perceive the world and especially paranormal phenomena. Perhaps that this is why psychic mediums can see things that I cannot see as they have been trained their minds and tapped into their abilities for years. By rationalizing paranormal phenomenon, we are closing off what is pot potentially around us. If we see a tree in front of us, we are educated and trained to see that it's a tree. Why? Because that's what we're taught. We know what our brain looks, we know that our brain looks for patterns. Pareidolia. Um, and like things that are familiar. If we cannot distinguish what something is, it makes it look familiar to us. And this is where we're getting things like pareidolia and we see faces in the clouds or in walls because our brain cannot make sense of it. When we start investigating the paranormal, for example, we notice that we slowly pick up a lot more things. 
it's because our brain is noticing patterns. Or is it that we're training our brains to notice these things around us that we previously ignored? By studying paranormal phenomena, phenomenon, does this mean we start to notice it more? Or do we possibly cause it? Andy, let me tell you, that movie fucked me up. Because I've been in that situation of Lucy at the end, like seeing everything and having no feelings or whatnot. Um, I, I cried at the end of that movie because I knew how she felt. I freaking, like, ugly cried, like bald. Julian, there's nothing wrong with that, talking to yourself all the time. I do that all the time. Remember, it's the, it's the most intelligent conversation you'll have all day long, and you'll never lose a fight. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, I cried like a baby at the end of that movie. Right, Patrick. That's why we can see animals in the cloud. That's exactly right. Because our brain is always trying to... <coughs> excuse me. Our brain is always trying to figure out what we're looking at. Exactly. Tears and snot and lots and lots of soggy tissues. Yes, exactly. I mean, I did, didn't I, honey? I cried my eyes out at the end of that movie. The most fearsome monster of all that may have inhabited the dark corners of our mind, waiting up for us to release them through our beliefs and gullibility. The phenomenon feeds on our fear and our belief. Hurry back, Gillian. Hurry back. Sometimes it destroys us altogether. Other times it leads us upwards into a labyrinth of electromagnetic frequencies that form a certain or form a curtain in the area we call windows. And stalk us to drink our blood and create all kinds of mischievous beliefs and misconcepts in our feeble little terrestrial minds. That's John Keel, the best of John Keel, volume one. But it's true. So are we fulfilled made prophecies just by studying the paranormal? She's always asked herself that question. Although, even asking it is like some sort of form of power of suggestion. <laughs> it could very well be. She said, I really never thought of, Kiel's, thought of it from Keel's perspective. Does this mean Keel is onto something? I honestly don't know, but I certain it's certainly a thought-provoking discussion, and it's opened my mind to some areas of research. What do you guys think? And like I said, that link will be down in the bottom. We are hardwired to see things. Exactly, Patrick. That's why I say. When it comes to religion, I, I cherish all your guys' thoughts on religion. And I can understand your point of view on your religion. You know what I mean? Even though I've been badgered for my religion, um, it still makes me, um, you know, put everything together on how people view things. That's why I don't say, oh, you're wrong. No, you're not. And he says, we are predisposed to see things. That's why we have no imagination, or why we have an imagination. Okay, 
Patrick said it may be another aspect of the paranormal. <laughs> I go to read it and it pops way up. I know it kick, it goes it all of a sudden just kicks quickly. Yeah, and he says faith is one thing and religion is something else in my book. True. But it yeah, is, that's true. Yeah, that's very true. So the super spectrum, I looked into it and I found this page. Um, it says there are many documented cases of electromagnetic field or electromagnetic effects in conjunction with the paranormal phenomenon. In a house experiencing poltergeist or other ghost-like apparitions, electronical appliances and light fixtures often display unusual behavior. There are many documented cases of paranormal communication through electronic devices. For example, the radio voice recordings on the radio, TV apparitions, and mysterious phone calls. Similarly, UFOs and other paranormal occurrences often cause interference with car engines and other electrical electro equipment, and some feel UFOs hovering near power lines might, may cause blackouts. Those who have seen UFOs often um, have dehydration and eye burn and as a result of a high frequency actinic UV radiation, which is observed in people who have sighted Sasquatch or other apparitions as well. Freaky geek! Hey, freaky geek! The presence of unusual EMF activity in windows of paranormal activity is often demonstrated by the tendency for compass, needles, and other electronic instruments to behave wildly. The range of EMF effects in nature is still not widely understood. While it's known that ionizing nuclear particle radiation can be harmful, the full range of effects for non-ionizing photon radiation is not known. It has been demonstrated that very low frequency waves of greater wavelength than conventional radar cause interference with electronical equipment, such, such waves being generated by a thermonuclear explosion, as some scientists surmise. Welcome back, Gillian. Welcome back. Might knock out, if they did that, might knock out an entire electric and uh, communications grid of North America. <laughs> Freaky says, oh my God, I can't really be that late. <laughs> well, that's true. So, I mean, if there's, it says, when in a range of brain activity below 30 hertz, ELF radiation can also cause EEG changes. There are numerous mechanisms reported for this cause. Suppression of melatonin produced by the pineal gland changes the receptors in the brain, possibly ionizing effects on the central nervous system or the temperature control changes. Other suggestion, others suggest that there may be effects on the cellular level and that to wit, cells are rapidly oscillating semiconductors. So, I mean, there is a lot of stuff. Ow, ow, ow. <laughs> I'm getting a pain in my knee. <laughs> Seltzer water. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's not a cramp. It's like I don't know what it is. Bananas. I would love a banana right now. <laughs> shut up, Andy. <laughs> shut up, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
a lot of these. So what do you guys see? I mean, there's a lot that can affect, and people don't look at that, especially if they're new to the paranormal field. They don't really, um, I mean, some people can come into the paranormal field that way of finding something like that. But I don't think a lot of people that newly come into the paranormal um, search stuff like this, like how it's happening. They just want it to happen, but they don't understand or... <laughs> Andy, my fingertips mm-hmm. are sealed. Um, they don't um, like delve deep into it. If that makes sense. Not that there was nothing wrong with that. There is there is nothing wrong with that. I just feel a lot of people don't... Coming into it, don't realize how... Um, the clicking is back? Yep. I don't know what the hell that could be. But I don't um, think they delve deep enough into that. I'm sure it could go. You know, there's a good chance of it. Depends on what everybody's hysterical about. Definitely, I agree that it could. Gillian, yes, I, I definitely agree with that. And that definitely, like that, I think that's why John Keel brought it up with the math, the Mothman prophecies, is because of the fact that everybody was scared. It was a mass hysteria. Everybody was scared, and all these things kept happening because of that. I think it snowballed. <laughs> You're hysterical about thinking. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, definitely. things. You have to be careful, definitely. I think a lot of people don't realize that you have to be careful when you're going into a place that is supposedly haunted, you, you've heard the stories. Like, and I'm saying, like, Waverly Hills, where you've heard it all. Um, you know what I mean? I just, to me, that you already know where you're going, what you to expect. So that's going to make it happen. At least in some form or another. Hey, Mulan! There's Mulan! I don't know if Nubs told you earlier, but I'd like to talk to you after the show if you if you wouldn't mind or message you or, you know, I didn't know if you were busy or not. Yeah, but we, that's the thing, Patrick. We can't hear it out of the headphones. I can. Oh, you can? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Never mind then. I lied. But see, I don't know if you could be a, a computer fan because when I do my show, you don't hear it. Maybe it's mine. I, I don't hear it, though. Check out solar eruption in 2012 and check out what the U.S. government ran. Where they where they ran. Oh, where they ran. Okay. I will. It's easy to get an attachment. See, that I wouldn't, I can't talk about because I've never had an attachment. I've never had anything evil around me. What's up, Chasing Bones? Hey, Danny. I didn't even see you come in. Well, thank you for lurking. (laughs) How are you? But yeah, I mean, I can't talk on that because I, I've never had anything evil happen to me. Scary? Yes. Evil? No. 
whatever you did just stopped. The, talking about the clicking of the fans. Yeah, I don't know. What did you do? I didn't do anything. It, just, it starts and then stops and starts and stops. And I know. I'm just not going to do The only that. thing I do is ignore it. It'll go away. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a feeling it'll go away. <laughs> well, I don't fucking know. Fuck, no. <laughs> what the hell do I know? <laughs> He's just here for his good looks. That's right. <laughs> Still haven't found him yet. So next on the topic list is the Hinji Castle. I thought I'd, I'd break it down with a little, throwing in a little couple of stories here and there, short stories. Heather said she was scratched before. I was severely scratched. He was, yeah. I have pictures of it. Thank you for the brain freeze. It didn't pop up, so I don't know who sent it. There it is. Nicole did. Nicole, thank you so much for the ice cream hug. I appreciate it. Very much appreciate it. Um, yeah, Jillian says I haven't either, Messy. Uh, it experienced anything evil. Yeah. But yeah, uh, with the, when I got scratched, it was on both of my legs, and each leg has like three marks coming down the back of my legs, right down the back of my calves. <laughs> Maybe it's a Russian's listening. I don't know. And, and it was Steve's still here. And it was almost like, uh... Something was trying to pull me out of bed. Yeah, it had the, the way it looked. It was like it was grabbing him and trying to pull him. But nothing before, nothing after. Nope. I know. The MIB, they're watching. <laughs> we just watched MIB internationally yesterday. Yep. But, um, yeah. What, but nothing after. I mean, it would just happen that night and that was it. I just said, me too, right down my inner arm um, from wrist, damn it. Yeah, from uh, her wrist uh, about three inches up, or three scratches, and it, she said it, it felt like her uh, arm was burning. That's exactly how both my legs felt, too. It was like somebody just took a cattle prod and heated it up and was holding it there. Right. But it didn't, like, scar, or not scar, but it didn't scab or anything like that. Oh, that's scab. Did it scab? Yeah, I drew blood. I'm trying to think. I can't remember. And, and, and I, I, I can debunk the fact of uh, it, it wasn't me in the middle of the night scratching my leg because it scratches when it went upward. These yeah, were going the, downward. These were definitely going towards the foot. Uh, oh, yeah, we, we, we agree, Nicole. It, well, I'm not saying it was evil, but it definitely put a, a, a little bit of a fear in me. Right. I don't think mine's scarred. I don't know. Do you still have them? I don't know. I'm wearing pants. I can't tell you. <laughs> and I'm not getting up to drop them either because, you know, I ain't got no right, yeah. so. <laughs> we don't all want that. <laughs> um, Heather said hers didn't scab or scar. Nicole did say she got scratched a few times, but strangely, always behind my ears. Well, Andy, cut your nails. <laughs> <laughs> trying to hold on too tight. <laughs> yes, that is true, Jim. At least I didn't get probed. <laughs> no, it's not that type of show. <laughs> Unless you never know. I mean, he gets some weird cramps. 
I've never been stretched, but I'm always used to positive energy and kick anything negative out. Well, see, that's the thing. Yeah, I mean... This happened the way, when I was sleeping, though. Yeah, that happened when you were sleeping. The way I look at things, at least around me, I'm either very freaking well-protected or... Andy? I can't at the moment. My computer won't work. But, yeah, um... Well, it's one of these days I'll have to have a, a shot of pull up the pictures of my leg. Um. What was I going to say? Oh, the way I look at it, like, I don't go into anything looking as a, it's evil. Like, Hi, Mo. Hey, Mo. Welcome, welcome. Um. Now, I believe everybody's story that's had those things happen to him definitely because you can tell in the eyes that that something happened that scared the shit out of him right um danny i don't think the moon would be the thing you have to worry about but (laughs) (laughs) but um you know i understand what they go through you know when they're telling the story or whatnot totally get that totally that was weird. I just heard talking through my headphones. Because it's lagging that bad. But I shouldn't be hearing nothing in my headphones. You sure you're not hearing it out of mine? Oh, here? maybe. I could be. Um, but um, I never go into a place fearing evil. And that could be the reason why I've never experienced anything evil. I'm not sure. I just, I don't know how it works. But I just never experienced, yes, I've been scared. I'm human. I get jump scared. Nicole, she says she tries to give them the scratcher back when it itches, but they, they won't do it. They never do, right? Not on command. I'm telling you, that would be nice. Could you imagine? Hey, buddy, could you... Uh... <laughs> Please, just, just not so hard. Yeah, you don't scratch so hard. <laughs> okay. I used to have a ghost that liked to pinch my ass. Well, Walking it, down the street, I don't know what that was all. It stopped a long time ago. Probably, it wasn't probably when I got bigger. Probably like you're a streetwalker. I didn't dress like that or anything. Doesn't mean anything. God, it, it depends on what neighborhood you're in, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, to me, when it feels like something's trying to get, uh, I'll get a tug, like on my shirt or jacket, right here at the top of my shoulder. It'll tug. Right. Now I'm getting so used to it though that I don't even freaking look anymore. Right. So, Himji Castle is the largest castle in Japan, and is allegedly the location for one of the Japan of Japan's most famous ghost stories. A young, beautiful lady named o- Okiko was blamed for the loss of a plate, one from a set of ten, a valuable family treasure. Okiko counted the plates again and again, but could only find nine. The penalty was death. Okiko was was suspended over a well on the castle grounds, beaten, lowered in, and submerged to near drowning before being taken out again. So they had the torture repeated until she was eventually killed. Her body was thrown into the well and then then covered. Okiko has since been seen to appear at the well. Um... It says that she counts to nine, then cries out in anger, fear, and frustration before disappearing again. 
It is said you can hear Okiko suffering, but just for a little while. If you say ten after she counts to nine, the plates of plates all counted for she can rest peacefully for a while until the next time she appears to repeat her task. Okiko's story has been turned okay, into a number of famous plays and has been formed in the basis for many similar stories, such as you may hear a different telling at times, but the poor girl's fate is always the same. Her life ended at this well. Just a short little story. Can you imagine that? Couldn't find a plate. And she was killed for it. Was that her parents that killed her, or? Apparently. It is awful. It is awful, Heather. Oh, yeah. Basically, uh, I guess because she's been seen time and time again. Right. The girl became a folklore, yeah. I mean, she's been seen. And like I said, I mean, I would love to go there just to see if, <coughs> you know. What's up, Ryan? Mr. Minkster. There's my Mr. Minkster. Hello, Ryan. Tough crowd. Why, did you, tough crowd? Did you say something and we missed it? I didn't see anything. Did you tell a joke? Or are you just saying about the little girl? Yeah, I scroll back. That's the only thing I see. <laughs> I'd love to go to the Paramount in Mexico with some equipment and a person who could tune into Lost Souls. There are hundreds of thousands of human sacrifices. Yeah, I mean, places like that, definitely. Apparently, I resemble his wife, who's a... Wow! Oh, he, he said tough crowd because he said she tried to please and failed, therefore tough crowd. Oh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I thought maybe we missed a joke or something and like nobody saw it. <laughs> I've heard that before, um, Jillian. I've heard that um, of people coming back, like they look like the spirit's long-lost relative or their love or whatnot well we've seen that on some of uh, the shows we've watched where they they figured out that you look like from the victorian age like his wife looked yeah so yeah. he thinks that you're his wife right hey Hi, Lens. how you doing doing good we're doing good, yes. So far. <laughs> Thank you for asking. So, you're going to have to look in it because I can't pull this up because I know if I try to share this, like, I don't know. But, um, Victor Knorr, okay? The sculpted face on Victor Knorr's tomb. Thank you for the Lamont. Soon as it pops up. We'll thank the person. <laughs> I appreciate the Lamones. Oh, that was quick. I couldn't see who it was. Oh, did it pop up quick? Yeah. Are you saying Misty looks like the Queen of Sheba or Cleopatra, Eddie? No. My house was 200 years old and a lot of 
residual haunting. Yeah. Wow, Gillian, that's cool. I mean, hopefully nothing bad happened to you, but that that's cool. No, that'd be a, a cool place to sit at night. Yeah, definitely. All lights off, everything off. So, this is a weird story, but I think it's pretty cool. And like I said, you're going to have to click the link in the description below. And I will change that if it didn't change already. Um, the sculptured face of Victor Norris' tomb is incredible, incredibly realistic. But if you look closer, you'll notice something odd. There is an area around his mouth is missing the patina of the age that is present on nearly the rest of the monument. And if you, are gay, if you gaze to creep lower, you'll find out even more. <laughs> in the Pierre Lachise Cemetery in Paris lies a remarkable lifelike tomb. It is the resting place for Victor Nora, a French journalist, and it is one of the most visited and interacted with monuments of the, of the entire cemetery. Victor Nora is depicted as in his monument is bronze, lying as if he died, well, lying as he died, since he was shot by Prince Pierre Bonaparte in 1870, his, la his hat's laying at his side. And I really wish I could pick, pull up the picture. The, his face is incredibly realistic, but looking closer, you will notice something odd that the area, like I said, in his mouth is missing the patina of age. Another part of Victor's anatomy that is quite detailed and missing the patina age is the groin area. Victor's, Victor Nor's groin is quite pronounced and whether it be a fold in his clothes or in fact a part of him, it's, it has formed part of a legend around this very monument. It is said that if a woman kisses the statue on the lips, rubs the... Hey, Scoops. Hey, Scoops. Rubs the protuberance and places a flower in the hat, it'll bring enhanced fertility and possibly a husband or a lover. Many, many thousands of people have visited the tomb, performed the ritual, and left those strategic areas of Victor Noor well-known, well-worn, and polished. The number of visitors and interactions become so high in that 2004, the cemetery had a fence erected around the tomb to defer any future rubbings, but was later removed due to popular demand. As for the claims of enhanced fertility, Many photos of children have been left in Mr. North's hat over the years. Children believed to have been conceived soon after visiting and rubbing of Mr. North's bits. <laughs> wow. Um, okay. <laughs> Don't even have a comment on that. I mean... <laughs> Pretty wild, though. <laughs> I mean, considering there's, I mean, these people. No, they were, they came, the statue doing this? No, you go there and you kiss the lips and you rub the pants. No, I'm good. <laughs> well, you don't want to get pregnant, do you? Fuck no. All right, then. Don't well, maybe it. I'd be rich. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, here comes. Do you think the statue was designed for a pigeon rest? I don't oh, think no. so. <laughs> Uh, what the fart? Could have been a one-load uh, one clothesline. 
So it's, it's a picture is that he's laying on the ground. He's shot dead. And that's where, you know. <laughs> I thought you guys would get a kick out of that. Yes, that's true, Scoop. But I thought you'd get a kick out of reading about that statue. And that people actually do that. <laughs> I couldn't do that in a public stand, you know? No. I couldn't do it in a fucking private spot. What the hell are you talking well, about? Well, I know, but do you know what I'm saying? I couldn't, yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, when you want to get pregnant, though, and you can't, you'll do anything, but... Have more sex? <laughs> that's not how it always works, honey. Well, you can try. But you... <laughs> Typical guy. Oh, my God. <laughs> So, yeah, I thought that was cute. That's how I figured I'd throw that in there. Um, <laughs> well, that's what the, you know, that's what the superstition is. It'll bring you a lover. No, it'll bring you a baby. What the hell it'll bring you? Well, pregnancy or a baby. or a, Well, you need a lover to, you know. What the, no, don't it just, just... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That comes to our next question. Do spirits communicate with us during dreams? Patrick, I don't think we want to know the answer to that. I, I wonder what would happen if a woman kissed the pants. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I love you guys. Ripley's, believe it or not, there's a statue of a Buddha that people have rubbed and became pregnant. That's pretty interesting. You have a gobstopper, Patrick. Oh, my God. So it's long. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> as long as been said, many believe in spirits that they communicate with us or give us messages through dreams. Let's look at different dream states and they claim their connections with spirit visitation. Are they just dreams or is it something more? It's long been said that, um, that's what I just said. <laughs> as soon as my computer scrolls. So what is REM sleep? When we sleep, we go through five stages of sleep. Four of these considered to be NREM, non-rapid eye movement, with the final stage labeled as rapid eye movement. We can dream during any cycle of sleep, but it's most common, most vivid during the REM sleep. It is believed that we have four to six dreams every night. We just don't always remember them. I remember if, if I wake up and go back to sleep. I remember the one I had last night. Right? <laughs> what do our dreams mean? A dream is a story or a movie that our brain creates while we're in REM sleep. There is still a lot more about dreaming that science does not know yet or understand. Some speculate our subconscious plays a major role in creating these stories. So much, in fact, that there is what we called a dream dictionary. Psychology suggests that it comes from our subconscious and our current state of mind or emotions can play a role in the type of dreams we have. Which is true. I mean, if you, you know, in my eyes it's true. There are common dreams that people share, from falling from a building to turning up at school 
or work completely naked, which I've never had that dream. Have you ever had that dream? Which one? Where you turn up to school, you go to school, or you go to work naked? No. No? Have any of you guys had that dream? Like, I've heard of people having the dream, but... I think you, a definition of that, though, would be is that you're trying to face uh, you're like being shy or, or being picked on all the time. Right. So you're going to prove to them I can just show up naked and they ain't going to bother me. Right. We have all had a certain type of dream at some time. Um, a lot of people, however, do tend to argue over what the meaning of these dreams are. In the early 1900s, of course, Freud explored this quite extensively. He believed a dream was a result of our deepest anxieties and desires. He believed that we often had a connection to repressed childhood memories or obsession. Precognitive dreams. Precognitive dream is one that shows a dreamer, dreamer a vision of the future. There are many accounts all over the world of people perhaps dreaming of a certain place they have never seen or heard of before. Months later, they suddenly find themselves in that exact same place. Some people believe that they are warned about future events in their dreams. There are reports of people, for example, who dream of natural disasters days before they occur. Um, another form of precognitive, precognitive dreaming is considered to be a sign that you're on the right path. Hurry back, Gillian. Hurry back. Some take it as a message from spirit or spirit guides. Some consider it just coincidence. But in the event itself happens and you experience in waking life you have a sense of deja vu because everything seems familiar hypnagogia it's a state where you aren't quite asleep and you aren't quite awake it's the it's the place where you just fall asleep and somebody makes a noise and you wake up or bumps the couch fucking bastards i know <laughs> It would probably, and then you wake up and you're like, I'm awake. Um, it would probably be where you would associate such as dozing. It's a state where that is compared to REM sleep where a person is in their deepest sleep. Your mind is going through a lot of thoughts, emotions, ideas, and accessing memory. During REM sleep, you are in such a deep sleep that you're not aware, um, that you are not aware of you. You don't remember this. During REM sleep, you are in such a deep sleep that you are not aware of you. Of you. Don't remember this. Okay, whatever. When you are in a, a hypnagogic state, you are in between full sleep and being awake. So you are aware of these thought processes. A lot of people enter a meditative state, which is pretty similar to the hygognia in order to meet their spirit guides or have some form of communication with the spirit world. They also claim it is a perfect time for spirits to communicate with us because our mind is open and free of outside influence and even our own subjectiveness. See, I've changed the hypnagogia state in my mind because I, I'm that type of person where I, you know, with my drink, my, um, um with my depression and anxiety i used to worry about what was going to happen at the end of the day i lay there and then you know you that's when you think of something that happened 30 years ago that you can't change or whatnot i changed all that i changed that 
starting in Batavia, um, I would go to bed and instead of, you know, worrying or whatnot, I would think of what I was going to do tomorrow that would make me happy. So from then on out, I've done the same thing over and over again for years now. And I think a lot of that too has helped in my, my um, anxiety and depression because I can fall asleep faster now where before I'd be up for hours just laying there. I mean, mind you, I still have those nights, but I just changed the way. I also go to bed with a, I don't know if you would say a mantra, but um, there's hand motions that you can do or that signify different things. And mine's like this. I fall asleep with my fingers like this. I don't know if you can see. And that kind of tells my body, okay, we're going into a deep sleep and we're going to sleep now. Patrick's dream to pass lives. Have you? Cool. That's cool. Definitely. Um, so I think I, I make myself go into that meditative state before I go to sleep. And mind you that a lot of my doctors with my depression and anxiety thought that that was why I didn't that why I had depression is I didn't get into the third stage of sleep so and beyond but being a single mom at the time I was always trying to be aware of my surroundings so anyway moving on it says uh They also claim that this is a perfect time for spirits to communicate with us because our mind is open and free of outside influence or even our own subjectiveness. You essentially are letting stuff happen without your own judgment clouding things as you are virtually sleeping. It isn't until you wake up and start looking at things that your judgment comes back to us. It is, of course, how you interpret everything you have seen and felt experienced when you wake up as to if you think you had an hallucination or you think you could be it could be something more the state is thought to be closely associated with sleep paralysis and can cause a person to hallucinate hey jacob hey jacob certain medications sorry that's okay certain medications stress overtiredness and alcohol can all be factors which can cause a person to have a hypercognitive uh hallucination it is the number one conclusion that a, per, a lot of people will jump to when a person claims to have some sort of alien visitation in bed. Well, there is scientific explanation here. Does that explain all coincidences or occurrences? I don't think so. Net Donna Cafe did something. Wow, well, I'm glad, Jacob. They finally got their power and water back on. Oh, that's great to hear. So, a lucid dream is a dream where you're fully aware you are dreaming and you're able to control your actions. I haven't, I have lucid dreamed um, only to wake myself up. That's one of my biggest problems is I do wake myself up. It's like I recognize I'm dreaming and then I wake up, then I wake up with a huge freaking headache. The term of lucid dreaming was coined by Frederick and 
Fred Frederick Ken Eden, who was a Dutch author and psychiatrist. Enjoy a hot shower, Jacob. Definitely. Definitely. In an article he published in 1913 called A Study of Dreams, Aristotle once wrote, often when one is asleep, there is something in consciousness which declares that what then the present itself is but a dream, which is thought by some to be a reference to lucid dreaming. In fact, there are reference made to it throughout history. Hey, Blue. Hey, Blue. How are you? I don't see blue, but all right. It's right there, right, right above Jacob when you see hey, Nicole. Right oh, right. there she is. I see her now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Blue, I hope you're doing all right. Okay. It is thought by some to be a powerful tool when used in such a way to help people overcome their fears. Some in the medical field can even believe that it can help treat conditions such as anxiety or PTSD. However, there's not enough research to conclude it either way. Scroll, computer, scroll. <laughs> okay. So, spirits visiting in dreams. As you can see from above, there are potentially different ways or more specifically different dream states which we can be in that that could potentially open the door for spirit communication whether it's our mind is free of us thinking or judging or trying to control things in simple just a being in a state of where our consciousness is the most vulnerable quite a lot of people report having some sort of vis spirit visitation in dreams and I've told you guys about that before, that I've had that where my mom, I don't have to worry about taking care of the kids. She's younger and can move around more easily where we're just hanging out with friends or as friends, I should say. We're just hanging out as friends. You know, we're going for car rides. We're going for stupid little things. Could be shopping, whatever. We're just hanging out in front with as friends than we are mom and daughter and you know what i mean which i will tell you when i wake up like after having a dream like that i'm in a very freaking good mood is that her coming back i think so where do you see that at what honey is that her coming back somebody asking a question or is that in the story that was me saying, I believe it's my oh, mom coming you, you, back. Okay. <laughs> my, where did, did my chat freeze up? What the fuck? <laughs> um, I've also been told that, uh, whoops. I've also been told that when you're waking, you wake with feeling of love and comfort after a dream. It's a visitation as you are feeling the energy of your loved ones. I've also been told that you're often surrounded with a glowing light indicating that you were um, using the divine light to communicate. They were using the divine light to communicate with us. I haven't had experiences in this sense. So in case I'm going by what people have told me through their own experiences. And that's how I feel when I wake up with my mom. I mean, I've never, 
I don't think I've had a dream of any other loved one but my mom, to be honest with you. Um, so I can't compare it to anything, but I do believe that, you know, she has done, you know, has visited me and we hung out. Heather says, I have had dreams of past loved ones. Those dreams feel so real that I swear it's real. Yeah, it's like, I mean, you can't not think it's not real because it's, it's so vivid and so the feeling, the emotion is there. It could also be argued, particularly by someone like Freud, um, that a dream could be just some sort of way of dealing with grief, uh, grief or a loss of loved ones. See, I would agree with that, but how long has it been since my mom passed? Nine years? Ten years? Not ten. We've been together ten years. About nine years? Then. Eight and a half, nine years? No, it's been about... But about how long? Seven years. Been longer than that. I guess pretty close to eight. Uh, no, my mom's been gone for about eight years. Because my mom died almost a year to the day after your mom. Right. So, yeah, your mom died about seven years ago. And my mom died about eight years ago. Because it was when ago. we were living in Batavia. I know. Okay. That's why I just corrected myself. Well, remember, we went from Attica to Warsaw. I know. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, um, I would rem I would say that it was... Very back, Andy. Welcome back, back, Freaky. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, but she had been gone a while, so you know what I mean? I mean, I know grieving, you always grieve. I mean, I'm gr still grieving for my dad. Um, but I don't think it would affect my dreams. Almost 15 years for your mom and almost five years for your dad. Yeah. See, mine's just the opposite. My dad passed away when I was 18. My mom passed away about seven years ago. So perhaps there are some resolved, unresolved issues you feel deep down, but don't wish to confront. I do believe that that happens in dreams as well. Maybe something you wished you had said or done, maybe there's a guilt associated with it or a subconscious. Our subconscious is a powerful tool, but so is our consciousness. Oh, crap. Scrolled too much. <laughs> so now when she says, when I look at all the different, <coughs> different ways we can dream, there's a common denominator. Our consciousness... It is unknown exactly what our consciousness is capable of and even lives or even if it lives on after we die. Our consciousness is not confined to our physical body. Where do it where does it go when we're sleeping? Is a dream our subconscious or perhaps is it a peek into something else? We live in a three dimensional world. The four Dimension is the time where we, we cannot see. The fourth dimension is time, which we cannot see, right? Some consider it to be the bridge between our physical world and spiritual world. That's how I think. Um, the fifth dimension is thought to be our first major spiritual dimension where a person reaches a higher form of consciousness. It is in the fourth dimension that people claim they can astral travel and leave their body via their consciousness. 
to visit other, another place or a person. The fourth dimension is also made up of time. When we dream, it can feel like a, it feels like a dream has gone for hours. Yet in reality, our dreams only last 20 to 30 minutes on average. Time doesn't seem to apply to our dreams. The ones we can remember anyway. It is when it, it is that is that what makes it possible for us to receive a visit from our loved ones in the form of a dream? Or is it that what is that the reason why we can only remember certain dreams? So what do you think? I mean, do you think we are actually leaving our body and going somewhere? I think it's possible. Do you think we're going into the fourth dimension when we dream? Like, because of the whole time thing, which is an awesome way to look at it, really. I think, though, when you leave your body, you can basically go anywhere you want. Well, yeah, when you leave your body, there is no time. Exactly. So even if you go, you leave your body into the fourth dimension, there's no such thing as time. Right. Well, there's no such thing as time anyways. It's, it's a misconception. It's man-made right. reality is what it is. Right. So is it possible? Absolutely. Do I believe you can go from here to different realms or, or different time years? You know, yeah, I believe it's possible. Right. <laughs> All right. So the next thing we're going to talk about is the Dybbuk box. The one thing I hate. No. Oh, no, I hate the one. What's the other one? The, the one you won't make, let me make is the devil's box. Yeah, that's it. The devil's toy box. Yeah, no. <laughs> Although, he did say the other day that I could, uh, I'll let you make it. I did not. You did too. Oh, see, I'm going to have to start recording our conversations because. I never said you could make one. <laughs> Thank you for the ice cream. He did say I could make it. No, you know how I feel about that goddamn thing. <laughs> Nicole, thank you for the ice cream, hon. I appreciate it. So what is the Dybbuk box and why are people scared of it? How did an antique wine box become one of the most haunted items in the world? So... The Dybbuk is marketed as one of the most haunted objects in the world. It currently sits behind a glass protective case in reality television, Zach Baggins of Ghost Adventures Haunted Museum. Guests must, must sign a disclaimer that they take full responsibility for any harm that comes to them when entering the muse museum and viewing such items as a Dybbuk box. So what is a Dybbuk box? It's off, Ron. I do not. Ron, Ron, are you agreeing with me? Oh, you can get other cards. Oh, thank you, Ron. I didn't hear that. I will definitely. No, I think she already did on my last paycheck. No, I didn't. <laughs> Ron comes in starting all this drama. <laughs> we love you for it, though. Definitely, especially when you say I can get more cards. So first, let's look at the Dybbuk box. 
In Hebrew, it means cling, and in Jewish folklore, a dibbuk refers to a malicious spirit that is bound to earth with the intention to possess a living person to cause harm. This is the important part. It is not, I repeat, not a demon. Jewish folklore has many different terms for different kinds of spirits, and even for demons. None of these are dibbuk. I mean, I am by no means an expert on Judaism, so I'm not going to pretend that I am. I leave the translation to just that. It is possible to have too many cards, uh, Heather. <laughs> and freaky, you're thinking of the wrong kind of spirits. <laughs> so, the origin of the Dimmick box. In 2003, a man called Kevin Manis put a wine box up for sale on eBay. I would post the whole description, but it's several pages long. If you'd like to read the whole post, well, this post will be down in the description. <laughs> so you can click on the story and go look at it. Um, so it was sold as a haunted item. In 2001, Kevin went to the yard sale or garage sale where he, um, as you would call it here in Australia, when you call him here, and that's what you call him in America too, and came across the box. He is a used furniture dealer, and I'm sure some of you have heard this story before. I've heard it many times. Um, so he's a used furniture dealer, so it makes sense that he regularly shops at these sales. The family of a woman, it's called picking. <laughs> I'm going picking. Um, the family of a woman who had recently passed at the age of 103 was selling her things. The family explained that this woman was born and raised in Poland, married and started a family, and unfortunately because of the era was sent to a Nazi concentration camp during World War II. Tragically, all of her family was killed and she was the only survivor. She and some other prisoners escaped to Spain until the end of the war. Yes, uh, Scoops, Zach is the one that owns it. One of them. Yeah, there's what, supposedly three of them? The one we're talking about is, no, there's supposedly eight of them. Oh, eight. No, there might be 13. I can't remember exactly. But um, one the one we're members. talking about is the one that Zach owns. Um, she and some other prisoners escaped to Spain to the end of the war. She somehow acquired a wine cabinet during her time in Spain, which has soon become the Dybbuk box. And it was, it was one of only three positions she bought with her, or brought with possessions she brought with her when she immigrated to America. The granddaughter of this lady told Kevin that growing up, she was never allowed to touch the box, definitely not open the box, and that her grandma referred to it as a Dybbuk box. Welcome back, Andy. Welcome back, Andy. And asked, to be, asked it to be buried with her. Due to the orthodox tradition, her wish was not granted and the box was not buried with her. The family was very upset and thought the box, um, very thought of the box and wanted it gone. Fast forward a bit. Oh, crap. Fast forward a little too bit. Fast forward a little bit and things started to happen to Kevin and anyone who was around the box. Kevin immediately connected the dots and blamed the box. Kevin was going to refinish the box and, of course, had to open it to see what was inside. 
So inside the box was pennies from the late 20s, a lock of hair, a dried rosebud, an octopus candlestick holder, a golden wine cup, an engraved word of shalom, which is salutation meaning peace for when you greet or say goodbye to someone. There's also engraving in the back of the cabinet in Hebrew. Kevin did not refinish the box, just cleaned it up and gave it to his mom, who not long after suffered from a stroke. She managed to write him a note that said, hate gift. Hi, Patricia. Hello, Patricia. Welcome. How you doing, hon? Um, so, yes, yeah, she managed to write him a note that said hate gift on it. He then gave it to his sister, his brother, and his girlfriend, all who returned it to him for different reasons because they claimed it affected their lives in some way. No one wanted this curse box, and they all suffered nightmares of an old hag. A lot of things supposedly happened in, in, at the hands of the box, and these people's lives in turmoil, so instead of discarding the box, he put the item on eBay because he was too scared to destroy it. Which I can understand. I mean, you're scared of you're destroying something that's going to let that energy out into the world. Right, well, yeah, and now you, the part that's going to make you panic is you know you're responsible for it. Yeah, yeah. It was purchased for $140 by a student called Islop. I can't say the last name. Um, he was a uni student that wrote blogs about his experience. He relisted it on eBay eight months later with similar stories. In 2004, Jason Haxton bought the box for $280. He knew of Islop's in the box he followed because he followed the blog. And he jumped on the opportunity. Welcome back, Patrick. Welcome back. He is the most well-known owner of the box as he wrote a book and made a website. The one listed above, which will be this listing. It'll be in the description. Um, FYI, research has not been able to find any trace of this. Istop Natsiki was a real person. While it is possible a pseudonym was used, this is a possible red flag to the story, but it is part of the story. That's why we're telling it here today. And there is pictures of the inside of the um, Dybbuk box in this link. Sarah does a really good job of this. Um, so anyway, Jason Haxton was responsibly, responsible for essentially creating the lore behind the Dybbuk box. He created a website wrote a book and appeared in documentaries and TV shows. Most people have seen or heard about this box at some point. Um, Haxton has had paranormal experts conduct different on the box, which were televised and or written about. In August 2012, the Dybbuk box was the subject of an episode of the popular program Paranormal Witness, which is where the fame began. I think I saw that one. Um, Haxton claimed to give it, give him physical problems, but in some interviews on YouTube, however, he also claimed that it had um, anti-aging benefits as well. Well, that's lovely. <laughs> he partnered he partnered with Kevin Manis on these ventures, and they made money from selling the lore to the story of the box, and likely still do. The blockbuster movie The Possession was based loosely on this whole story, and eventually Haxton could not put up with all the bad things that he felt were happening 
as a result of owning the box. All be, it all became too much, and he consulted with a rabbi to have the Dybbuk sealed back into a box and buried in an unknown location. The box was dug up from a secret location for a special appearance on Deadly Possessions. Zach Baggins show about his haunted museum in 2017, which thrust the story of the Dybbuk box back into the spotlight. Not long after, it was announced that Baggins had purchased the box for a large sum to the main showcase to be the same the main showcase in the haunted museum. There are replica boxes all over the world, with many for sale, and I have to say that I'm confident that there is no Dybbuk in them, which I feel the same way. Um, sadly, the haunted object game on eBay is quite strong, and any Dybbuk box you are buying on eBay is false. The real question I truly have is, do these guys generally believe the box is causing them all this misfortune? Did they make it all up, or did they realize, really believe the box is ruining their lives? Power of suggestion. And I think that's where this, yes, that's where the Dybbuk box craze comes from. Um, I think people are, are manifesting this, you know, it's kind of like, listen, let me put it this way. Um, I'm trying to find something. Okay. Say, say I grab this dice, right? All right. And wait for it. Wait for a what? Should be popping up. Oh, okay. I see it. Oh, what the? <laughs> <laughs> um, as a witch, say I want this for protection. I'm going to put all my energy into this for protection, right? So therefore, gives me the belief that it's protected, that if I carry with this, I'm going to be protected. And anybody can do this, okay? Anybody can do this because it's in the intent. And I believe that's how... What a delay, I know. Um, with these Dybbuk boxes, because a lot of, Andy, because a lot of YouTubers are buying them and to open them up online, which, you know, what are you going to do? They're just trying to make a statement. Um, so it's the same thing with you put into, whether it's evil or dark, you put into something that's going to be the same way. But the person that holds it has got to believe the intent of it. If they don't believe in the intent, it's not going to work. Does that make... I hope that makes sense. So if you buy a box believing that there's an evil spirit in it, then you're going to manifest that evil spirit. Yeah, can you manifest it with your own thoughts? There's right. really an evil spirit in there. I've been told there is. There's got to be. That's all you ever hear about. So I know there's one in there. So now, of course, there is going to be one, even though there isn't one. Yeah, and he says, I think medical diagnosis for that is shit for brains. <laughs> no, for buying, even wanting to buy a Dybbuk box. Yeah, I know. Uh, Nicole said, I had a teapot in the shape of an elephant from my mom's aunt. Spirit was in it, and it was not a nice one, but the aunt was in Auschwitz. Was in Auschwitz. Oh, oh, she was over there. <laughs> so... That's my feelings on it as well. I'm not a skeptic when it comes to that because I believe if you believe that there's something evil in there, there's going to be something evil in there to you. I totally believe that. Yep. 
you know, that's why, like I said, I have never had anything evil and come into my life, but that doesn't mean that I don't believe somebody for having that experience. Of course I believe them. You know what I mean? If somebody puts it into them, Nicole, definitely. So when I say, you know, I don't believe in lower entities, doesn't mean that I don't believe that you believe there are. Does that make sense? I don't want anybody to think that if you come to me that I do not believe your story because that's bullshit. Because you don't believe in it. Yeah, because I don't believe in right. it. It's not how I look at the world. I've never looked at the world like that. My belief is not yours, and I'm not going to knock you for what you believe. Exactly. Uh, Nicole said, I've only had one evil experience. I had to ask for help, Russian Roma stuff. Uh, yeah, I can understand that. Patrick said, there's only one true debit box. You're right, a man's wallet. That is a debit box. <laughs> I need a debit <laughs> So, okay, so let's, a confession. During his own investigation of the Dybbuk box, skeptical writer Kenny Biddle, and if you're a paranormal investigator, you usually know who Kenny Biddle is because he likes to, I mean, he's a great skeptic. I mean, he really, some of his things are out there, but I love him. Um, alludes to find a confession from Kenny, Kevin Manis, something I've seen widely reported from multiple sources that the story itself was fabricated by Kevin Manis. It would not be the first time a person has fabricated a story to sell a haunted item, which is true. Um, no, Nicole, just because you can see a spirit and somebody else can't, you might be in the same room. That doesn't mean that you're right, he's wrong, or he's right, you're wrong. It's just something that you fully believe is standing there. Right. So, yeah, is it possible that two people in the room, one can see it, one can't? Yep, absolutely. It's kind of like when we passed that soldier over, right? I couldn't see him until he stepped into what I had opened up for him to leave this world. I couldn't see him until that point. All I could do was use what I know to open up a portal for him to get back home. You saw him. I didn't. It's kind of like the same thing, you know what I mean? It was almost like you didn't see him until he was ready to cross when he turned and saluted him. That's the only time I saw him, yes. And that's when I started sobbing like a baby. <laughs> and it's not like I knew what he looked like or anything like that, but I just, when the portal opened and he stepped in and I could see, all I can explain of how it looked was like Superman's cave, <laughs> only coming down. <laughs> you really freaky. Now, if it's you and me, and you see it, and I don't, then we both lucky. <laughs> <laughs> freaky. I love it. So, yeah, so apparently this guy um, said, I'm the original creator of the story of the Dybbuk box, which appeared on one of my eBay posts back in 2003. The idea that the Dybbuk box has some kind of history prior to my story and the idea that the Dybbuk box could contain anything other than a Dybbuk along with any deviation of a type of contents I created to be found inside of the Dybbuk box is laughable at best. How about this? If you or anyone else can find reference to the Dybbuk box anywhere in history prior to the eBay post, I'll pay you 100 
$1,000 and tattoo your name on my forehead. That's Kenny. That's that's how Kenny works. If you don't know who Kenny Biddle is, that's how he works. Kenny's full article is uh, is in this story, so which will be posted down below um, if you want to read the whole thing. So, is it haunted? In the terms of the Dibbit box, while I haven't been exposed to the box directly, the story has some definition. Red flags for me, including it seems of a confession. I'm not convinced, she says, I'm not convinced it's the most haunted object in the world. However, I have not investigated it, so I cannot say either way. Would I head to Las Vegas, the Haunted Museum? Yeah, of course I would, as a person who loves all things paranormal. While I'm quite skeptical about a lot of things when it comes to the paranormal, I always have an open mind and try to find anything, find out for myself, basically. Now... Um, so what do you guys think? Do you think the Dybbuk box, excuse me, um, was fabricated? But we, the other day I did the whole story on Post Malone, how when he went and visited everything that happened to him, was that all coincidence? Or was that him believing that that Dybbuk box was bad and that's what happens around a Dybbuk box. Do you know what I mean? We have to be careful that what we put into our minds of what we believe and what we don't believe. I wonder, did I eat the moon cookies and not recall doing it? Did you? Did you eat all my moon cookies, Freaky Geek? And you didn't share? And with that being said, our last story today for Monday Musings is about topas, poltergeist, and thought forms. I figured while we're on this, why not talk about it? Um, if nobody knows, if you don't know what a topa is, it's basically a thought form that you put into reality. You uh, have heard about poltergeist hauntings, you've heard about, but have you heard of a topa? Tulpa is a common yet widely known term in the paranormal field. Is their poltergeist, are poltergeist and tulpas the same thing? What is thought form? Let's look into this. What is a poltergeist haunting? A classic poltergeist haunting consists of things like knocking, objects being moved, opening and closing doors, bed shaking, nasty smells. <laughs> I can't say that word. I tried, but I couldn't. Putrid. I oh. did say it. Okay. At that point in time, my mouth was like, nope. Um, hey, um, Active. Hey, Active. How are you? Um, so, objects being thrown, stone and rocks being thrown out windows, puddles of water appearing mysteriously on the floor, fire starting from nowhere, scratching and physical thought. It usually starts slowing with knocking or stones being thrown and it just simply amplifies over a period of time. It's quite common in these accounts and stories for the activity to occur at night when the individuals in the bed, it's causing them to lose sleep. Basically. Hey, Diggles. 
Hey, Giggles, how are you? Good to hear, Active. Good to hear that you're good. Poltergeist is widely used and often misused term to describe paranormal phenomenon with physical items are moved or manipulated or a person is physically assaulted by an unseen force. It's probably one of the most faked areas of paranormal phenomenon, particularly on the internet. Claims of genuine poltergeist activity are few and far between, and one could argue that there has never been a, a proven case of a genuine poltergeist activity. Well, that's good, Giggles. She's feeling better than what she had been. Good. Freaky, I see Active's name, and I think Wonder Twins activate. Form of water. <laughs> <laughs> so Geeky, Geeky produces a frog. Form of a frog. <laughs> In water. <laughs> In water. <laughs> it smells like rotten eggs or sulfur. Does not mean it's a sign of a, a real demon. Yeah, that could be just a witch using just doing a spell. We do use sulfur. Yeah. <laughs> Farting hearts. Yes, we forgot the farting hearts part. It's a frog in water farting hearts. Yes, yes. So, um, claims, <laughs> claims of genuine poltergeist activity are few and far between. And one could argue, I just read that. The same, however, could also be said about paranormal ph phenomenon in general. So it depends who you talk to as to what they consider a genuine account of activity. Um... There have, however, been famous cases throughout the years. The first reported accounting was thought to be in 1661 in Drummer of Tedworth, which I, she's written about previously. In the more modern-day society, the unfilled haunting is also controversial, yet probably one of the most popular cases of supposed poltergeist activity all over the world. We've talked about the unfilled haunting many times before on a show so while quite a lot of cases are faked and essentially can be dunked there are debunked not dunked debunked there are people that feel genuinely threatened in their homes and claim to have witnessed this activity i myself know of investigators who have told me that they have seen this phenomenon with their own eyes and they and they are people she trusts um same with me I, I know people that have gone through this and like their stories are genuine, you know. A popular belief in parapsychology circles that poltergeist activity is actually caused by a form of psychokinesis in preteens, usually females. It's our fault. <laughs> it is put down to a physical expression of trauma and who has more trauma than a hormonal preteen. I'm going to extend this further to look at the people that are usually reporting this kind of activity and asking for help from investigators. Usually when dealing with a private case, there are always more to the story and more that meets the eye. Sometimes there has been sort of a breakdown in a family, a death, someone is depressed, the house is in disarray. The list goes on, but it all has one thing in common. They're usually suffering from some kind of psychological trauma. So it is possible that being in this negative headspace 
Is it projecting the energy outward and causing these things to happen through an unintended act of psychokinesis? This brings us to thought form, which kind of like I say all the time, when I'm frustrated, I will turn electronic devices off. Not with my hands. <laughs> Not on purpose either. Not on purpose either. And that's when that's my warning sign to, all right, you need to calm down. What is thought form? A thought form is a mental image that you are cons consciously creating in your mind. In spiritual cases, it is thought to exist in both the mental and astral plane. There are generally places in three categories. The image of the thinker, which is simply the appearance of the individual in two places simultaneously. An image of a material object associated with the thought. An independent image expressing the inherent qualities of the thought. People often will use meditation or even a hypnotherapy to order in order to create a thought form. It is thought, however, that a group of people can also manifest a thought form when you have a group of people concentrating on the same thing. A thought form is something you can see physically. Let me say that again. A thought form is not something you can see physically. When I said it, I was like, well, that ain't true. <laughs> the person manifesting it can see it in their mind as they have either lived it or they just seen it. Spiritually, it is said to exist in the astral plane. Some psychics or clairvoyants have said to be able to detect this thought form in the form of energy as it's said to present itself as energy waves within the person's aura. A thought form is a more temporary manifestation of this created item or person. In a lot of ways, it's controlled by your thought as it didn't have its own, it doesn't have its own will. A more permanent version of that is also known as a talpa. Right. Right, Nicole, or mass hysteria, like once as I see a demon and suddenly they all see it, it's kind of manifesting too, but thoughts. Exactly. And um, it might be true. I'm, okay, hold on one sec. Let me, I didn't see. Hold on, I'm scrolling up. I see some comments there and I... Um... My chat is just, it's lagging. Sorry, guys. Um, what are you looking for? I was seeing if, if Active said anything um, before that. Um, Nicole said that might be true in some cases. Um, Active was talking about, you know, with talking about your lights and that. Uh-huh. A magnetic flux, maybe? Something. Or that we, you energize, you attract. It's it's something. All I know is you can ask my son, who is I don't he, he probably went to work now. Um, we I was pissed off about something. The, there's two stories that I, I use as examples. One is I was pissed off about something. It was like dusk at night, but the street lights were on, and me and Ryan, my son, Mr. Minkster, that comes in here, um, were walking down, down the sidewalk. And every time I would go under the street light, it would go off. 
then I'd, we'd go to the next one, that one would go off, and the other one would turn back on. And he's like, he, he, he was only like, I forget how old he was, he was young now, but he's like, Mom, will you stop doing that? We kind of need those lights. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other time is when I'm working on the computer, like I, I, know, I do uh, web pages sometimes. I haven't done any lately because I get frustrated with them. And, um, you know, there's nothing like where you get all done and there you find out there's codes broke and you got to go find the code. It's very, for somebody who doesn't know how to do web pages or, or know the coding, it's very frustrating. And so that's why Eddie will walk in the room, see that I'm doing coding and walk right back out. Because yep. it's like not even bothering her. Nope. Um, so when that happens, when I get frustrated, my computer will start lagging or it'll start um i'm not frustrated now this is just because my computer's being not so nice today but um i it'll start it'll blink out it'll go off it'll you know welcome start, back nubs. welcome back nubs it'll start going to shit basically and i can't do anything on it freezing up you know so and that's my little warning of like hey you got to come down <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'll get up and walk away. And usually, and Eddie will tell you, I will get up from the computer, go have a cigarette, come back, and I know the problem instantly. As soon as she sits down, she's like, there it is right there. And it's been right there the whole time. But because I'm so frustrated and out of, out of sorts, I don't see it. And, uh, yeah, that's... <laughs> so when I get frustrated, that's when... Things around me, electronic-wise, starts to go haywire. So, tulpa. What is a tulpa? We'll go through this, and then, of course, that'll be the end of the show. Um, a tulpa comes from the Tibet, Tibet, Tibetan Buddhism, where it is consciously created by a created being or object. In the same way it's consciously um, created, it is thought, again, that the person can unknowingly create a talpa. When you look at the meaning of the word talpa, it means to build or construct. It's a thought, it is thought to be much more complex version of a thought form that develops its own will. In modern day society, people commonly use lucid dreaming in order to create their own talpa. They think of it almost as an imaginary friend they can communicate with at will and help them through a certain situation in life. The talpa is the thought is thought to always be growing and learning. In the same way our dreams can turn bad, so can a talpa. There are many people that report their talpa has turned on them and caused a lot of trouble in their life, and it has been taken it has taken them some cases in some cases, years to get rid of them. On an interesting level, when you think of a group of people somehow manifest, manifesting as form of tulpa, just by thinking about it, some people believe that a lot of religious figures or creatures are actually forms of tulpas. A famous <laughs> creature such as Bigfoot could in fact be a type of a tulpa. We don't know. Sightings of Nessie, the Loch Ness Monster, again, could be in theory a form of a tulpa. One of the more, more popular theories at the moment is that of Slenderman. Slenderman was not real. He was created, right? But then all these people are seeing Slenderman. 
because tulpas are being made. Made how it works. If you have people going to a location thinking in detail about what happened or what something looks like or how it moves, could you actually manifest it into existence? To test this theory, there are psycho, or not psycho, parapsychology experiments in the early 70s, which is set exactly to do this. The Philip experiment, in 72, a bunch of Canadian parapsychologists conducted a pretty cool experiment. Their aim was to create a ghost to prove that human mind that a human mind could conjure a spirit through expectation, imagination, and visualization. It was based on the concept of thought form. There was even a movie made inspired in the case called The Quiet Ones. The experiment was led by a world-renowned self-proclaimed expert on poltergeist, Dr. A.R.G. Owen. Excuse me, his goal was simple. Create a group of people none of which were mediums or sensitive to the paranormal, and have them use their collective thought to see if they could conjure a ghost to appear. And so, Philip was born. Initially, the group put together, a group was put together to conjure Philip. They would meet on a regular basis in an informal setting. They would sit around with lights on and talk about Philip. They had his picture and notes about his life and talked about him. They could use this picture and focus on it. They use meditation techniques and try to imagine Philip in their mind to see if he could, if they could make him appear. They tried this for a full year, starting September 72. This brought no results apart from a couple of members saying they felt a presence. Not willing to give up, Dr. Owen decided to change the approach of the group as after a year of sittings, their methods were clearly not working. They decided to incorporate elements of the Singapore theory to bring him forward. Each member would bring a tri trigger object of an item that the Think Philip might have liked. They brought a picture of a castle and imagined that this was the castle that Philip might have lived in. They sang songs that they thought Philip might relate to. Most notable, 99 bottles of beer on the wall. One of the most important changes they felt was successful to the experiment was they duplicated what they what a typical seance atmosphere, dimmed the lights, lit some candles, and called upon Philip to come forward. It seemed this new method worked. While Philip did not come forward as a full body apparition that they could see, what they did receive appeared to be an intelligent knocking response known as rapping on the seance table they were using. They used the one knock for yes and to for now, and Philip answered. And that's kind of like if you, like I, and I brought this up before, if you go watch um, Blood Red Skies, is it I think, of Chad Calix? I think that's the one. He does the same experiments. He goes in first as a paranormal investigator and goes through with the equipment and everything. Um, And then his other, he has one investigator that's too tired to even be scared or anything like that, go in and investigate. Then another one thought that he was um, drugged up, and he wasn't drugged up. He was just made to think that he was drugged up. Hey, go Alan. Up. Hey, Alan, how you doing? Welcome, welcome. Go up and, you know, 
going in to investigate and another one that just watched all these crazy he knew he knew how to get to each one of the his investigators Freaky wants to know if the uh, blood red or blood red skies can be found on YouTube. I believe it can be, isn't it? Under Chad Kelly's uh, shows. Is that where we watched it, or did we watch it on Amazon? I think we watched it on Amazon. I'm not sure if it's a Prime or not. Um, if you go to uh, AGH, hold on. I forgot what the actual website is his website if you search chad kalick on youtube you should get his hold on one second agh tele a okay hold on i'll put it on here <laughs> a <laughs> I'm telling you, my computer's lagging. It's hating me right now. It'll probably it'll tell you how to get. You're gonna have to copy and paste. I didn't www. <laughs> So yeah, he does the experiment like that, and that's just thing of it is. And as this goes on, it says that no matter what they did um, after this, Philip continued to get stronger and stronger. So does this mean a tulpa is a poltergeist? Poltergeist activity itself is speculated to be a form of unintentional psychokinesis. And she said, she goes on to say, I have read reports from a few different people that state on cases they have warped. I think there's like a difference. Um, I, I think it's the same, but different. It's in two different categories. With That's the way I think anyway. Um, the effect, uh, I believe that you can bring something into reality and also an evil spirit. Well, that's exactly, Patrick. That's what I mean. Like, if you take, for instance, if you're thinking about, like, jinn, right? Over in India, our ghosts and spirits, evil or good, are just like their jinn. But we think of jinn, what do we think? Ooh, bad. Do you know what I mean? Yes, Restream Bot is not an actual person. It's they're, the name behind it. They're correcting him. Oh, okay. But yes, yeah, a lot of places, that's what I mean. If people, like Waverly Hills, you know, I'm not saying that it's not haunted. These places aren't haunted. But I think a lot of people is putting a lot of energy into these places. Not seeing what, Alan? Oh, he's oh, I see. His it's he's on his mobile phone, so he can't see the name. Oh, to the after the restream. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um, I think it would happen with a school experiment. It could, yeah.
Sorry, I know I missed so many. Right, but they, but they have the, um, with gin, I mean, there's three types of gin. Yeah, you got dry gin. Shut up. Extra dry gin. <laughs> and just regular gin. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're such an ass. Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I lost my whole train of thought. Thanks, honey. There's three different types of gin. Right. There's ones that could be <laughs> um, put on somebody. Most of them live a spiritual life like us taking us back. Oh, don't forget Jen on the rocks. Thank you, Heather. Yes, what the fart? Shaking oh, and not stirred. <laughs> but it's all the way you. It's all on what you look at and what are you. Uh, what, what you <laughs> What you believe in. You know what I mean. What you're gonna have that thought form if you manifest it. I knew I was waiting for Andy to pop in there. Slow gin. <laughs> on the rocks or meat? <laughs> sure. Yeah, yes. Active, you brought dead. I was trying to, when I was reading about tulpas, I was trying to think of golems. I was trying to think of that word and I couldn't think of it. Pink gin. <laughs> um, but yes. It's kind of a th thought form of a tulpa, yes. When in reality, it becomes like a golem, a golem, not a golem. I don't know where that came from, but a golem, yes. To where they're they're made out of clay and do the person's bidding, basically. And that's when I think of the word tulpa. I uh. <laughs> Gollum's precious, my precious. Um, that's always comes to mind. So definitely interesting, and uh, you know, I I just want you to guys to talking about this stuff. You know, I want you to have different aspects of thinking about different things. How, and I'm not saying, don't get me wrong, I'm not discrediting anybody at any point in time I would never do that um I just these are topics that I think about all the time when it comes to paranormal or you know what I mean like certain things I try to um balance it out not that I'm I'm not skeptical at all well I can be but um I'm more skeptical skeptical of evidence more so than a person's story. Exactly, Actum. You're right. Exactly. All good. Yes. Different aspects, different points of view, different origins of all good aspects. Exactly. So, I just want people to have different points of view and, and you know, make them think. I like making people think. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you so much. With that being said, let me head over to DLive, if I can.
I thank you all for coming. You notice I haven't corrected her all today when the time she said, I thank you, I thank you. you know, we I just, thank you all for I, coming. I just let it go today. You just... <laughs> <laughs> all right uh let me give a big hug to the ladies this one's to the guys remember stay safe stay strong we're gonna get through it see you all tomorrow oh. here comes the lag yep that's way behind come on pause there we go let me put the lemons in the chest. I thank you all for coming and hanging out. Oh shoot. Can I put, I forgot today was supposed to be a double. Let me put 200 more lemons in there. There we go. Today's a double run, so get over there and hype up that chest. Thank you guys so much for coming all out and hanging with us. I appreciate each and every one of you. We both do. Um, <laughs> I ain't putting my lemons in no chest, and it says no. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Be safe. Are you reading the credits? I too small for me to read. Oh my goodness! You know. Last thing I seen was dancing hot dogs. No, because you made a comment. So make sure you read the credits. I changed them up. Oh my God! Oh, look at that! <laughs> Who the hell's that asshole? <laughs> Who's that asshole, Cass? Thank you guys so much for being here. And an amazing researcher, Nicole. And thank you all for watching. Without you, there would be no us. Exactly. I appreciate each and every one of you for coming in and spending some time with us. You guys, greasy hot dogs. <laughs> All right, guys, I am pressing the button. Collect your lemons. Hello, Ron. Wow, Ron just keeps sneaking in for the lemons now. I know. My favorite icon. Yeah, Eddie is finally the co-host. I decided to put it up there. <laughs> oh, you can't see my face. I forgot. <laughs> Never mind. But anyway, guys, I love you guys. Take care. Be safe. We will see you tomorrow for Tarot Tuesday. Come get your free readings. Um, thank you, Heather. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for the compliment. Heather got 144.8 lemons. Nicole got 83.5. Patrick got 60.7. Freaky Geek got 48.4. And Ron got 40.6. Nice, guys. Nice. All right. We, again, like I said, we will see you tomorrow. Take care. Be safe and remember, find something today that makes you smile with your eyes. We love you guys. Okay, hold on. I got to switch it around. Jeez Louise. I know. You <laughs> we'll get there. What are you doing over there? I don't know. Pressing buttons. Thank you for the lemon or the diamond, Ron. Now I kicked you out. Yeah, not never. No, I'm, well, they should be able to still see me. Do they see you? I don't know. Ask them. Do you see him? Oh, no, because I'm... <laughs> oh, my God.
I keep pressing buttons, guys. I'm sorry. Okay, ready? Hi, ready. Take care, everyone. Be safe. Love you. And we'll see you tomorrow. Mm -hmm. ah. Bye. Bye. Oi.